0: Welcome to Think Queerly. My name is Darren Steele. I'm a gay man who's been living most of his life as an out queer person. On the podcast I discuss the unique social and cultural leadership that queer people offer humanity. Through dialogue as well as personal meditation I share evolving ideas about how we can create a more loving and accepting world for everyone. As a coach I help my clients understand a universal truth, that when you freely love who you are, you can freely create the life you want. We all have within us the knowledge and the wisdom to overcome personal struggles and inequality as queer people, but sometimes we need a little help from someone else, and when you accept yourself without conditions, that's when you can risk leading from your uniqueness and live your truth. Well, today I want to tell you a story, a couple of stories, actually. Things that have happened, um, they are a couple of weeks ago now that these things happened, but they have had a profound impact on my understanding and observations around uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, the lockdown, social distancing, social responsibility, moral fatigue. Um, that's a term I just heard the other day. Essentially things like, well, you know, when you go out for groceries um, or you have to go into stores and if you're being very conscious and conscientious about the health and safety of other people, you will come home kind of exhausted, whether that's conscious or unconscious. And I I'm not feeling that as much as I used to, but it is still there, this um, ever-present tiredness, which is just a result of caring for the well-being of others in a way that we haven't, at least I haven't, maybe we all have this feeling, we haven't been so conscious, so clearly conscious of before. So I'm calling this episode Seizures, Tears, Tears and chasing thieves, getting certainty in overwhelming times. Now, this pandemic is is revealing how some things change, but how other things just simply become more apparent. And I talked about that in uh, my last uh, podcast, I believe, uh, about if ever there were a time to tell the truth, <clears throat> just what we're seeing revealed about society. So these two experiences, which actually happened on a Friday, and then the very next week, all at grocery stores really, really impacted me. So the first one, my partner and I, one morning, on a Friday morning, went to the Loblaws, the large Loblaws in the Maple Leaf Gardens in downtown Toronto, right at Church and Carlton, And I guess we were there 8.30 in the morning or so, trying to get to stores early to avoid as many people as possible, to have as much physical distancing and such. We were standing in the self-checkout line, and suddenly I heard this man make this really <sighs> noise that was just like, it was frightening. I was like, what is actually that noise? And at first I thought maybe it was someone who was autistic. It was a particular sound that... um somebody might make when they're really under stress and they're finding the situation they're in very uncomfortable. And I thought, well, this would be the perfect environment for it. We're all a little uncomfortable going out to the grocery store, trying to make sure we have six feet, two meters distance and just looking around. And then I looked and I saw him shaking and he looked kind of manic. His eyes were somewhere else and he was holding on literally for dear life, to the checkout machine as he was falling down to the floor. And I just shouted out, somebody call 911. And no one moved. There were people over on one side that just were continually swiping their products and as if nothing was going on. And my immediate thought was, this is classic reptilian brain response. It's it's fight flight or freeze except most people are freezing right now in that we freeze when we don't know what to do you know we will fight at the amygdala level of the the reptilian brain when we feel threatened and we feel that we have a chance to protect ourselves we will flee if we feel like holy shit there's no bloody way in hell i can i can be safe here and you run like hell whether that be literally or figuratively and then when you feel like you don't know how you're supposed to respond you freeze so no one was doing anything and i just i had my cart or my little thing of groceries i just put it on the ground and i just quickly bypassed two people in front of me went over to the person but just before i was getting there somebody else came and he's going right into you know cpr first aid mode and i get it because i've done that A number of times he's like, hey, guy, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And he's like just hitting the ground with his hand. And this man is on the floor and he's shaking. He's having an epileptic seizure. And it's like... can't remember now. I think there was a little bit of foam in his mouth, but it was frightening. And I just looked at this guy because he was first at the scene. I said, I'm here. I know first aid. How can I help? And he said, my knapsack's over there. Can you get it for me? I've got gloves. So I got it, opened up the zipper, got his gloves out. And he kept administering, trying to get the guy to respond. He wasn't responding. He was just making this heart-wrenching, frightening noise. I got a sense that there were some other people around us but people were keeping their distance and they're just frozen, panic, observing. Somebody else was trying to call 911. It was like a flip phone. I don't know, it didn't work and then my partner Christian was behind me and he got on his cell phone and he called 911 and it went on a little bit longer from there and started to level out when it was clear the guy that got there before me was taking care of things. Krishna was speaking with 911, then suddenly the fire department, who were the first responders, arrived, and then I looked at the guy that was helping and realized I didn't need to be there, so I moved myself back up against the wall. The firemen were actually able to help the man who was having the seizure stand up. He didn't look well, but he seemed to have be in the recovery. Christian was just finishing up still with 911 because they had a procedure of questions they were asking him and I was just up against the wall watching all of this and I thought I was going to burst into tears I felt like an inner shake because it was it was just so overwhelming all that I just explained that I had experienced that that no one seemed capable of doing anything and on the one level I understand but then on another level I acted yes, through my mind was like, fuck, you know, I'm going to be going right up to people. And this was this was just a few weeks in to the the lockdown in Toronto. But it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's somebody in far worse of a fucking predicament than I am. Go help this person. So that really astounded me. That same day in the afternoon in my neighborhood, I just went over to my local health food store where I get some organic, non homogenized yogurt and I get like organic, non pasteurized honey and a few other great things that only they carry. And I love them there. And they finally now had a uh, plexiglass shield up. And the woman behind the counter answered the phone and it was clearly someone she knew and said, I'm, I just, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm going to have to call you back. I have a customer. And then she hung up the phone and put her hands over her face and started crying. And this is just one of these moments. I just looked at her. I said, what's the matter? Can I help? And that's all you can do. I know the manager and owner of the store. And I said to her, would you like me to go get her? She's just in the back. I saw her stacking some shelves. Do you need some time to sit down and be alone? And she told me that her friend had just called her whose grandfather had just passed away in the hospital from COVID-19. No, sorry. We talked a little bit more and She's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And it was then apparent she was just appreciative and paid for my groceries and went home. And it's like, oh God, what a Friday. Well, next Friday, exactly a week later in the morning, after lining up outside to get into the grocery store and just witnessing that for the first time thinking we are so privileged in North America, or at least I'm privileged in that I've never had to stand outside to wait to get into a grocery store. I've never had to wonder, will there be toilet paper or Kleenex or are they still out of flour because I really want to make banana bread and all those sorts of things. Like We know these things are coming, except they're all stressors. I do my groceries. I'm mindful of people. It's not perfect, the situation in the grocery store. They hadn't yet got everything set up for proper social distancing, but they had put up all kinds of new plexiglass on either side of cashiers. And the cashiers are putting through my groceries, and I'm starting to pack up my bags, and suddenly there's this commotion. And one of the staff is standing in the aisle of the next checkout lane trying to pull the plexiglass from either side in front of her to stop somebody that's trying to push her out of the way and it's somebody who's stolen a whole bunch of items in the store and he pushes her out of the way and she's a lot bigger than him Um, and I see him coming through and it's the next aisle over and I immediately think go and put your foot out. So I put my foot out and I trip him and he goes flying face first, literally into the ground. And he is in typical flight. So another reptilian brain level response. He's, for whatever reason, stealing. And he's got a knapsack full of stuff and he's back up on his feet and he's running out. And there's another female staff member Back up the the woman who is bigger than this guy shouts out, "Somebody call security!" No one calls security because everyone is frozen, and even the people who are working doing the checkout are frozen. So this fella is running towards the exit door. This other woman that works in the store stocking shelves is probably five foot six. This guy is about six foot one, six foot two. And she is like holding on to one railing and trying to like use her body to block him from going out the exit. And he's pushing and I run after and I'm grabbing on to one of his belt buckles and trying to hold his thigh on his right leg while trying to sort of lean back and have some sort of distance. And what's going through my mind is insane. The thoughts and the quickness and I'm basing everything I'm doing on the woman who works at the store in front of him. I'm following her lead. He shouts a few things. He eventually, like, drops a few things, and then he drops the whole knapsack, and then she just decides to let him go, and I let go, and he runs out. And... We have some conversations after I talk to a couple staff people out on the street. This is after I go back and then pay for my groceries and then put them in the bags. And I'm talking to staff and this started earlier in one of the aisles. The the person shoved one of the staff people and the, the manager, I think, is is who was the first woman who tried to stop him, said, we have this happen here all this time, theft, It's just part of the neighborhood. But when somebody pushes a staff member, we can't allow that to happen. And there was clearly a problem with security not being called, that staff had to step in and do this. And I went home and I was exhausted. I I couldn't do any work that Friday afternoon because the adrenaline, when it finally came down, I just felt like I had no energy left. And I was thinking to myself, did I do the right thing? And I realized that I did. And I talked to a couple of people about it just to understand for myself what I did, how I acted, and why I did what I did. <clears throat> and it's this. Yes, we know there's food insecurity for a lot of people. And we don't know. I don't know why that person was stealing. Maybe. So you, f- I felt bad. But at the same time, we can't have someone using violence to push people out of the way. At the same time, these frontline workers, the grocery store people, are stressed already and are in a situation where they are having to work to maintain their job, but they're in the front line, most exposed to the possibility of getting COVID-19. And there's just, in my mind, a higher level of respect and accountability and personal responsibility that is required at this moment in time, that we support these individuals, that we don't act like, you know, either arrogant fucking assholes who don't care, or we try in some way, shape or form to support those people who are supporting us. I'm fortunate that I can work from home. Yes, my income has taken a hit, and I have been earning very little this last while, but I can work safely from home to keep trying to build clients, to keep trying to do sales. I have that privilege, and I am grateful for that. Well, a week or about two weeks after that incident with the thief Christian and I were just going for a walk and then we stopped in to No Frills because I needed to get about 30-40 dollars worth of things. And the woman that the shorter woman who was trying to block the fellow from running out the door was there and she looked at me. She said, "My hero." And she was so sweet and I really appreciate that, but what I said to her is like, I wasn't a hero. Thank you. I I I understand why you're saying that, but you are, she is the hero, that she's front line, that it's tough enough in the neighborhood where she works to have to deal with these sorts of things every time, which could be sometimes physically harmful or life harming situations, but even more so now during COVID-19. So a lot of lessons intense moral fatigue, <clears throat> confusion, disruption. And that's what I'm talking about when I said at the beginning of the episode how some things change while other things become more apparent. So much is changing economically with businesses. We don't know what's going to happen with certain businesses and jobs and how we're going to be able to socialize, what's going to happen in the coming summer with respect to concerts, travel, restaurants, what we can and cannot do, and then the things that become more apparent. Homelessness, alcohol and drug addiction, addiction, food insecurity, mental health issues, they are all very challenging and we all have to play our part, I believe, to be as morally and ethically responsible to everyone right now. To take care of ourselves includes very much, especially taking care of our frontline workers, Taking care of our retail employees, taking care of our restaurants that are doing takeout, taking care of the delivery and service people, tipping them, thanking them, and acknowledging them, I think, is the most important thing we can do. Express our gratitude in whatever way that we can. Help however we can. Bang pots and pans at whatever time of the evening, if that is happening in your area of the world, as appreciation for the healthcare workers. So, this leads me into how I can help right now if you're feeling overwhelmed, because it's normal. It is normal. In the best of times, for us to feel overwhelmed in this super fast, got to get it done, not enough time for so much to do society, but in this very challenging and uncertain time with COVID-19 and having to stay at home and physical distancing and everything that I just described in this tale today, what can you do to improve your state of mind when you feel like you have no control? When you feel stressed out to the max with uncertainty, or like in my case, did I do the right thing that day? How do you know? How do you get that certainty? How can you shift your focus to a better future, a plan, a vision, one that you want to create for yourself and that you can imagine happening when maybe the next three months doesn't seem very certain? How can you work around that anxiety. So for the remainder of May, I'm offering a one-time, like a once-per-person minimum pay-what-you-can 90-minute get-certainty session. And this is to help you reset your mind. So if you're in any kind of threat or stress, you're not in your prefrontal cortex, you're not in your thinking Brain, you're in your animal brains, and this is designed to help you get grounded, get clear and to come up with very specific strategies that are unique to you so that you can deal with all the unexpected disruptions and stress and moral fatigue, and have a sense of calm and purpose. So, I'm going to include uh, the links in the show notes, but the offer is only available until the end of May, and I only have a limited number of spots available uh, because I only have so much time in the week with the other work that I do. And once you book the Get Certainty session, you will get immediate access to my mini course that's called What's Out of Your Control. And that'll be something really useful to do before we meet because that'll give you even more clarity about what you're struggling with, what you can't be certain about, and what you can be certain about. And then we can go even further, uh, dealing very one-on-one with how we can help you get that certainty and figure out how to move forward, and create more prediction, meaning if you've seen this happen and that happen, then you'll know, ah, when these things happen again, here's how I'm going to respond instead of reacting. And that's what gives you the certainty, which leads to calmness and peace of mind. As always, thank you so much for listening, and think queerly.